The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. A lot can happen between falling in love with a house online and owning it. Between imagining living there and breathing in your new home for the first time. Having an advocate who can help you navigate the complex world of financing, inspections, negotiating, analyzing the market, and talking through any anxieties that may pop up, that can make all the difference. That's what the expertise of a Realtor can do for you. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors and bound by a code of ethics. Because that's who we are. He'll dive it into turn number three. To the bottom of the racetrack, he goes looking for a seven-figure payday in Texas. This race is not over. Yeah, there's a lot more to this story. Ryan Blaney trying to put the window net back up. He is right now struggling trying to get that window net up. That is not easy to do from inside of the car. He's trying to hold it up. safe uh, on the backstretch coming to the green because it was up and latched and I had two hands on the wheel and uh, that was a call. Welcome into NASCAR America Motor Mouse, Steve LaTarte, Jeff Burton, Dale Jarrett, not much to talk about, pretty quiet weekend, qualifying for Indianapolis <laughs> and a quiet all-star race in Texas. No, it, listen, there's so much to unfold. 
Um, that was most of the finish of the All-Star Race. Good run for Ryan Blaney. Good speed, but a little bit of controversy. But this show is about you, the fans. Call in. We'd love to hear your opinion. I'm sure there's a lot of them out there. one <laughs> nascar nbc And we're also lucky to have a few guests today. Uh, straight off a good top five qualifying run for the Indianapolis 500. Chip Ganassi driver Marcus Erickson will join us, as well as the driver of Max D and Monster Jam, Tom Mentz. Well, let's jump right into the All-Star Race at Texas. We have a lot to hear. Scott Miller, vice president of competition from NASCAR, gave us their opinion. Denny Hamlin gave us some sound. But before we dig into all that, 10,000-foot view, Ryan Blaney, fast car, controversy with the yellow, window net up. What's your overall takeaway from it? Um, I'll skip all of that and go back to where we crashed out. Quite a few of the really fast ones and more of the favorites of the race. I mean, if you look at especially the betting side of it, uh, you know, those guys were – uh, you, you talk about Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, uh, Ross Chastain, uh, Chase Elliott. Uh, you know, those were some of you know, four of the top six, I believe, uh, favorites for the race to, to win the race. So, you know, they were all running up front uh, but had issues, and, and it wiped all of that out. So you, it, you had to sit and wonder what was the rest of the race going to look like. And so we saw an entertaining race. Um, you can say what you want about all of the rules and regulations that they had put in place trying to make it entertaining, but um, the, the controversy part of it, um, yeah, there's a lot to say there. Um, <laughs> but anytime you have an event, um, this, this can go back well before any of us were born, that there was gonna be, there's always going to be a controversial call. Um, and in most events that you'll see, there's some time that, that a call. It might not always decide the winner and loser, uh, but at some point in time, it, it changes what happens. And, um, you know, in my opinion, um, the call to put the caution out there at the end of the race, uh, but right before Ryan Laney took the white bag the end, that, that, was, that was done too soon, uh, too quickly. There's no way that you can tell me that you know that, that for no more than what happened there. And, and I think that was just the wrong thing to do uh, at that point in time. So, Jeff, real quick, let's focus on that part. Let's talk about just the yellow. What's your thought of the yellow, the timing of the yellow, the necessity of the yellow? Well, the yellow, in my opinion, was a mistake. It was no need for it to happen. They were coming to get the checkered. Uh, you know, Sinaus got up, got up the racetrack, sort of kind of got in the wall and kept going. I don't know. It's Scott Miller... Uh, you know, with NASCAR, he said that they were talking about it, the old car in the wall, and the race director looked up and does, not sure what he saw and threw the caution. And so this is no need for a caution here. There's no debris on the racetrack. Coming to the checker, they're not going to have to run back through yeah, yeah. whatever would have been there. It was just a mistake. And, and NASCAR, to their credit, came out and said, hey, we shouldn't have thrown it. I mean, it was a mistake. It happens in every sport. This sport's no different. Uh, when you make a mistake, all you can do is, you know, own up to it, and they did. It, they should, there was no need for the caution right there, um, you know, and, and I think NASCAR's admitted it. Now, here's where I stand on the winning that thing. So, Ryan Blaney and his team need to know the rules. They took, they did not take the checkered flag. No matter what the caution was for. They didn't know it was a caution that shouldn't have been thrown. They didn't know it was a mistake by NASCAR. The caution was out before they got to the start-finish line. He and his team need to know the rules. That race was not over. And they let the wind of that down. That was their mistake. It happened because NASCAR made a bad call. But they didn't know it was a bad call. They didn't know why the caution was out. They just they didn't know there was a caution. That's a spotter. NASCAR called the caution. 
Spotter's got to be on it. Team's got to be on it. Blaney's got to be on it. Once the wind and net goes down, in my opinion, I think NASCAR cut them some slack because they were trying to make their mistake not a wrong for Blaney. Yeah. But that was Blaney and their team's fault by getting, for putting that wind and net down. They called a caution. And, the, and this is one of the problems when you have special rules for special events. Every other race throughout the year, take the white flag, caution comes out, race is over. I'm sure that's what's in their head. Right. But that wasn't the rule. So I thought Blaney got a bad break. I thought they put, then put themselves in a bad situation. And then NASCAR conveniently kind of turned the other way a little bit and let them get the race win. Be, not let them get the race win, but didn't penalize them for having the winning net secured because they were like, hey, we put them in a bad situation. So one bad call starts yes. a spiral. Well, so I, I, I much like you have all kinds of things written down, special rules, the caution, the winner net. Before we dig into it anymore, let's listen for some sound of two very important people. We're going to start with NASCAR and their opinion on that final yellow. We probably prematurely called that yellow flag. We saw the car and mentioned the car against the wall, riding the wall down the back straightaway, and the race director looked up, and I'm not sure what he saw, but he immediately put it out. Wish we wouldn't have done that, but we did that, and, and we'll, we'll own that we probably prematurely uh, put that caution out. We saw him struggling to get it back up, but coming to green, um, he was warming his tires back, back on the back straightaway. You could clearly see both hands on the wheel warming the tires up. The window net was up. No way for us to know if he got it 100% latched or not. And at that point in time, no way we can be certain that he didn't get it latched. So there's no way we could call him down pit road at that time. It's tough because he deserved to win the race, but you also got to, if you if you mess up and, and you break a rule, you, you know, not intentionally, but it's just, there's rules. And then we have rules in place for safety. Uh, my crew chief is taking four weeks off because of safety. I nearly crashed him off the of turn two when I got squeezed there. And if I send him into traffic and he's got no winning net, then what, right? But luckily that didn't happen. NASCAR avoids another controversy because there wasn't a wreck in a car with no winning net. So do you think he should have been black flagged? That's the rule. I, I don't know what else. I don't know what we're talking about here. This is not a judgment call by me. This is just a, that's the rule. And it's unfortunate for him. Very, very unfortunate. But it's, it's, it's the rule. you got to play by the rules. All right. So you heard Scott Miller, premature. He thought on the yellow. You heard Danny Hamlin's um, frustration. I'm going to start with the yellow because I actually believe these two issues are mutually exclusive. I think everybody wants to put them together there in the same race, but I think they need to be officiated very separately. I believe that the caution was too early, much like everyone else. I think that's no different than a bad call in any other sporting event we've ever seen. It continues to happen. As other leagues have tried to clean this up, I think they get more calls right, but at the expense of the show. Right now we sit and we wait for replays and all these things. I would challenge NASCAR, and I have to just wonder if there's not a better way to figure out when the yellow needs to be thrown or not. Dale, when you drove up and down pit road, how many pit boxes you were going to drive through was a, a, an inspector counting. 
And, Jeff, your speed was a guy with a stopwatch from a yellow line to a yellow line. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> now all of that's electronically done, right? So, so my challenge to NASCAR, much like every other league, this is not an exclusive to NASCAR, I agree. They've taken ownership of the mistake. I appreciate that. But at some point, ownership to what? Like, what's next? Is there a new system, a new this? I don't know what it needs to be. I've never officiated a race. But I think they have some smart people. I think that needs to be looked at because I do believe that yellow. The next on my list are the special rules. I hate them. They're dumb. I'm over them. We were at a dirt race. Nobody knew who the leader was. When's the scoring reset? How does this work? TV didn't know. The drivers didn't know. The fans didn't know. I try to watch this race as I travel home from Indianapolis on my phone with Wi-Fi in the plane with a whole bunch of other people, and we couldn't figure out who was into the final segment, who wasn't in the final segment, what you had to do in stage one, whether it's a checkered. I'm just over all of the special rules. I think there are things we can do. Change the stage lengths, great. Make the race a little shorter for excitement, great. But, man, there is a lot of line items needed to understand how to unpack this race. And we are in the entertainment business, and I didn't find it entertaining to be that confused. Then the third part, Jeff, to your point, I hate it for Blaney, but it was a mistake. Within the rules of the thing, they dropped the window net. I feel like NASCAR had an obligation to make sure it was up and secure, uh, whether that's waving off a yellow. We say, hey, we're going to wave off a restart to make sure the window net's out. I don't like the answer. Um, so it is. It's three separate things. I'm thankful that Blaney won because I would have felt bad if he'd have lost it under these circumstances. But unfortunately, I feel like Denny Hamlin has every right to be as upset as he is. I, I will say this: you know, when I look at when I look at Blaney's car, and you look at the B post, right, yes. which is the area behind the window net, it's a good thing that's black. It's a good thing the window net's black, and it's a good thing it's a night race because there was enough camouflage to not make it clear that the back of that window net wasn't up. If you go back and watch it in, in, in slow-mo, you can see the back's not up. But when you're watching it live, it's very difficult to tell yeah. that the back's not up. Yeah. And I was watching it. Um, I went to the race, but then watched the second half from, in full disclosure, from the hotel bar. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. on, the, on the screen, I couldn't tell it was up. There were three gentlemen at the bar I was talking to. I'm like, he's not getting it up. It's not going to happen. Yeah. And then the next thing I see is him going down the back straightaway, warming right. it up, and I'm like, he got it up. Oh, my right. gosh, I cannot believe that the window net's fastened. How did he do that? And, you know, it's a good thing it was a night race. It was a good – all that helped because that window not, not being up, not being attached at the back right, got camouflaged right. a little bit. I, I Listen, I have a hard time arguing with Denny Hamlin about this. Yeah. Right? Like, the window net, from his view, it wasn't up. And he's like, that's the rule. It should have been a penalty. So – I don't disagree with Denny Hamlin. I, it, it was, look, Scott Miller, Elton Sawyer, all those guys, and the, they work really hard, and they work every oh. week, you know. And I, I spoke to Scott Miller a week ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and he was really nervous about all these rules, right? Because when you have all these different rules, it sets up an opportunity for things to be, get challenging. We need to make it simple. We need to have less rules. And we need to make it easy to understand, and it needs to be consistent. I hate it if the caution comes out to our star race and you don't finish on the green. We do it every other week. It's yeah. okay. Take the white flag, the caution comes out, that's done. We need to simplify the rules for this all-star event. That's my frustration, yeah. right? So you're telling me the Daytona 500 
is it is less important than the All-Star race? That the fan that bought a ticket for the Daytona 500? Yeah, exactly. Like, like every other race ends that way, right? So so while I do think they were clear on the rules, I don't think they were misled, they're just different. And in, and in drinking out of a fire hose of figuring out how you're going to run this race, I think you get misled. I also want to say this. I don't feel like NASCAR lied. They said that it was too premature. They saw two hands on the wheel, yeah. and in their mind, that was good enough to restart this race. Yeah. I just believe that if that was the Coke 600, I think there would have been more effort put in to make sure that – or how about this? Let's, let's look at it a different way. If there was 50 laps to go in the race, I believe there would have been something else done to make sure the window net is secure. Maybe that's my opinion. I have no proof to it other than what I've seen in the past. Here's what – so there's a lot of things that you can – Say it's it's a they're in a no win situation the majority of the time because there's always going to be something uh, the the untimely hitting of that button and putting out a caution obviously created a lot of stuff here to to happen um, I couldn't tell you know once I saw him going down the back straightaway it looked to me like as you were pointing out he got it done I'm not smart enough to go watch it slow mo and see that the back's not in there so I <laughs> you know, till you said that I didn't know anything different there um, I think what they there's two things that could have been done here, in my opinion. I think before the second thing that I'm going to say, I think the first thing that could have been done was NASCAR. We have all these rule changes and, and everything, and I think that could have easily said that button was hit prematurely by mistake there. Should have been no caution. This race is over. I don't care what that rule says about you're going to run to that. We only needed 100 feet or so uh, for that to happen. I think that NASCAR could have quickly got together and said that was done by mistake. His hand is there ready. If that's done, hit the button too soon. And that, that could have eliminated it. Once they got didn't do that, then the simple fact, I don't think you can change as Denny. I can't argue with anything that Denny Hamlin said because it is a rule. That window net has to be up. I would have brought him down pit road and see if that if it was latched. If it was latched and, and to their satisfaction, put him back where he belongs at the front. If it's not, you got to fix it and that's, you go to the you back. Know what? That's the best I think I've heard yet because I've heard some people say, hey, come down and let them fix it. And I'm like, no, that's no, not fair. No, but I never thought of that. Come on down. And if you have fixed it, good for you. We didn't think we could do it, but you pulled it off. You proved us wrong. I, I hadn't heard that one yet, DJ. I think that's interesting. I think, unfortunately, in all of this, Team Penske showed up. And it kind yeah. of got lost, right? Yeah. Like, like the interview with Blaney, after all this controversy, was we came here a little bit differently. We approached it. Well, man, we've talked a lot about the Fords getting beat up on the mile and a half. You did mention, true, some of the big names got taken out. But the Fords were fast. Blaney was fast. I, I think it's a little, maybe it's good for them if that's overshadowed. People won't be thinking about them going to the 600. <laughs> but I might have to sharpen my pencil on my fantasy team because yeah. did they find something? That's the question. Do we believe what we're buy- what they're buying? Do we you know, do we believe the Penske cars figured it out? Well, Cendric was up there, too. Yes, he was. And Cendric, you know, listen, I want to say, Cendric, for a rookie, you're not supposed to be racing for the All-Star win. Yeah, and he was right. right there doing it. So Cendric had speed as well. Now, what we don't know is if all those cars you mentioned before, had they been in the race, was there enough speed to race with those? But even if they were in the race, you're still sitting there running for third, fourth, fifth, if they were better than you. So I think that is a, an, an advancement for Penske, and I think that's, some optimism going into uh, the Coke 600. Now, I will say this. This racetrack's like no other. Turns yeah, right, one right. and two is like ridiculous. It's so, so different than everywhere else. So, but, but 
the Fords needed a the Fords need a boost. We talked about it last week on the show. Mm-hmm. They're not they don't have the speed. So yes, maybe they do can look back at this and they can say, hey, look, we found something. Uh, the Stewart Haas cars didn't find it. No, you know, with they those Fords, they well, were yeah. not. I mean, they were not even in the ball game. So maybe you know. So that tells me, maybe it's not a power thing that that the Penske's got yeah, this yeah, week. It's yeah. probably a handling thing that the Penske's were, were better because they found something that the car drives better with. Well, what we know on a Monday, and you can write it down, is Ryan Blaney is the winner of the All-Star race, and he won a, over a million bucks for doing it. So yes. we can all have an opinion on whether it should have stood or shouldn't have, but that check is going to cash, and uh, it was an impressive <laughs> run. Bit. Million-dollar winner net. That's a million-dollar winner net or a million-dollar <laughs> I mean, thing. Hey, and, and give the young man credit that – Going through all of that, and he's not even sure, I'm sure, that he had this up completely, but he was able to get him to get his – I was worried about that he wasn't going to get his tires cleaned off, and then he started right, doing right. that. But he got himself focused back enough to know what he had to do on that restart. Now, he got a nice push that helped him there uh, to get a little bit of clearance on that last lap. But uh, he focused enough to keep one of the best in this game ever, and that's Denny Hamlin winning big races uh, of getting the job done and keeping him behind him. With better tires. Yes. With there better tires. Yes. So, you know – lot was lost in the controversy that we would be analyzing differently today. Well, your phone's buzzing and my phone's buzzing. That reminds me <laughs> to go to the phone lines. NASCAR, you're on Motor Mouse. All right, so you guys know I've been calling this show since its beginning. And I was hoping that there would be a day that I'd get to call in after Newman had won a race. Never happened. But guess what? Y'all know Blaney's my favorite driver now, so hey, my driver won the all-star race. Um, You guys covered all pretty much what I was going to talk about the rules. I heard on the broadcast last night that there was supposed to be a certain incident happened. So you guys covered all that. We're going to let that be. Uh, and I'm just going to let it be what it is, man. NASCAR's called in. His driver won the race. Y'all have a good one, and let's go forward. Well, that's a great call. NASCAR yeah. does call in every week. Congrats. And, uh, yeah, congratulations. And I think Ryan Blaney, you know, this is big for this team, a little momentum. You know, when you talk about momentum, I do believe it's real. Uh, the tracks can be different, everything, but what can be applied, what won't be applied, we don't know. Um, there's going to be a lot of talk about the race, the race in general, what the All-Star Weekend has become, where it should be. I know a lot of people have opinions. Mm-hmm. Um, hey, it created some news cycles and some news stories whether they were good, bad, or not. Let's go back to the phones. Gabriel, you're on Motor Mouse. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to ask uh, Jeff and DJ this question since they have experienced a special rule in the All-Star race before. Uh, as all three of you may remember, NASCAR allowed teams that wrecked to get backup cars in the 2001 All-Star race after NASCAR started on a wet track. And part of the reason for that is they used the except in rare instances rule. Do you think they should have done something similar with uh, Ryan Blaney's window net situation and allow him to fix the window net without penalty? Well, DJ's a big fan of 2001, so I'm going to give this one to him. Hey, uh, guys, I think somebody brought this up, although I couldn't remember exactly the year. Uh, it been too many years between that. But, yes, but so my point is, I mean, I said a lot of things have happened in this race that are completely different than what happens in a normal race weekend. Yeah. And... Jeff Gordon, uh, you know, we started the race, started raining down in one. Some drivers went down there and wrecked. Others of us didn't wreck, and then they were allowed to bring a backup car off and get their way through tech quickly. And um, 
But I shouldn't get outrun by a car that you pull off the no. truck to start with. So, but, so, so I guess I'm, I'm over right. it. But, but there are I don't others. think so. I don't, you're exactly right. My <laughs> bank account would will still look a lot better. Yeah, I'm a little nervous I'm playing golf with yeah. them tomorrow. So, That's uh, a bad question. Anyhow, but. Uh, but there there have been other other cases yeah. uh, of things that happen in the All-Star race. So, uh, uh, yeah, it's kind of one of those. That's why I say that they should have could have just easily gotten together quickly and said, hey, that was a mistake. Let's be done. So, so to Gabriel's over. point, you, Hall of Famer, you've had him go against you. You've had him go, I mean, yeah, all sure. the calls, cautions at Richmond's, I've seen it happen. But you yeah. are you're fine with the sanctioning body doing what they feel is right, whether it's black and white, on paper, in the book, not in the book, to use some what, whatever sense they have at this point to make it as correct as possible. You, you gave two options, either end yeah. the race or confirm the net. And you yeah. followed up with, in case Gabriel didn't hear, that if the net wasn't installed right, then as much as everybody hates it, you're, you're that okay. That, that part's the rule, yes. That's the yes, rule. But okay. I would have been okay in this. I, I do not think under any circumstance they should have let them put the window net up. Yeah. I no. don't think I, there's no. a like circumstance. No. Other than Blaney, if the driver can do it. Other, right. Yeah. There is no circumstance that I think they should have said, okay, we're going to let Blaney put his window yeah. net down. They knew the rules. I agree. They are responsible yeah, for knowing the rules, and they either didn't get the message that the caution was out, which every other spotter did. Yep. They, nope. they, I was with two, three spotters this morning. Spotters told me, they said, uh, turn two, turn two, put it out. They got the message. Yep. Blaney yep. didn't get it. So that's on them. So in no circumstance should they have been allowed to put the winter net up without having to start in the back. Well, I spent the weekend in Indianapolis, so there wasn't as much controversy, but there was as much entertainment. I'm going to tell you, a 234-mile-an-hour average for the pole sitter. And Marcus Erickson, driver for Chick Ganassi Racing, is going to join us later, qualified fifth in the Indy 500. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Children, sit down. The sheriff's in town. The six-time series champ, Scott Dixon, is on track. He is a living legend, the best of the generation. 234.4 miles an hour. Absolutely incredible. Scotty D showing up Indianapolis. This is how it's done. He is on target for the second fastest qualifying run in the more than 100-year history of the Indianapolis 500. Scott Dixon is a five-time Indianapolis pole winner. Always unfinished business here. You know, uh, I love this place. It's... uh... Definitely can be cruel at sometimes, but you know, I uh, feel very privileged and very lucky to be able to drive here and obviously with a team like this. I hope Chip's got a smile on his face. I haven't seen him yet, but uh, that definitely deserves a smile. Well, that was an exciting qualifying effort there at uh, Indy. I know you were there, Steve. Yeah. We got a big weekend coming up. Uh, Indianapolis 500 car day practice begins Friday at 11. IMSA Lamborghini uh, Super Trofeo Series. Those guys get after it. That's going to be fun. Monster Jam. Uh, then the Indianapolis 500 coverage starts at 11 a.m. on Sunday. Then MotoGP later on Sunday at 5 p.m. on CNBC. So a full weekend, full weekend motorsports. Yeah, this is a great week. Oh, I love this week, man. This is, yeah. You got so much going on in motorsports. 
Uh, but we're going to go straight to Marcus Erickson after a top five qualifying. Tons of laps at Indy. How's it going so far there, buddy? It's going really good so far. I think, you know, the Ship Ganassi team, we've rolled off with some really strong race cars and had a really good practice week. And then we followed it up with a really strong qualifying uh, effort and, you know, getting four cars in the past six. And, and Jimmy would have probably been in the past six as well and, uh, unless he had that moment in, in the past 12. But uh, no, it's been amazing so far and uh, really, really happy with starting fifth now for the 500 this week, coming weekend. So, Mark, as you mentioned, uh, Jimmy's moment, it was big. Speeds were big. I mean, it was really crazy. The windy conditions, for those that didn't tune in, super windy, and the wind kept changing direction all week long, made for a big lead-up into Sunday. Just explain to the fan at home, for the, for the non-IndyCar fan, these guys get about 80 or 90 more horsepower to go qualify. And Jimmy told me that he wasn't expecting quite that, like, the feeling. <laughs> it's unbelievable to go that much faster. So just try to describe what it's like to run 10 miles north of 230 miles an hour. Yeah, it's completely insane, to be honest. You know, going down the, you know, the front straight and 240 plus mile an hour and then knowing that you have to keep your foot down and be flat in turn one and you know turn one it's, it's still turning a lot that corner so yeah it's really tough and then that moment for Jimmy you know just the way he managed to save that car from crashing it would have been a massive crash but yeah that skill to save that and to keep going right he did a really good run after that so it was really impressive to see um, but yeah it's just qualifying here at Indy it's just so different to anything else we do the adrenaline you get, the sort of concentration that's needed, it's just it's just something else. And I was so exhausted last night because you've been so focused for so many days. So it's, it's definitely a very tough challenge, but uh, I love it. It's just so much fun. So Marcus, you've got quite a lineup that, that your teammates with there at Chip Ganassi Racing uh, that has a ton of experience, uh, a lot of wins, uh, maybe some in, in different types of, of racing. Uh, but uh, as you've been a teammate here, are, are there certain guys that you go to and, and talk with uh, about Indy, or are you confident enough in what you do that you really don't need that? No, I think the, the great thing with Chip Ganassi Racing at the moment is that we have that sort of mix of experiences within the team you know we have five cars this month and we have obviously jimmy with all his experience uh even though he's a rookie here he, he's a you know he's done ovals all his life so he's been bringing a lot of things to the table and then you have tk and scott that's been obviously winning the 500 and scott's probably the best indica racer all time and then alex the defending champion and me coming from european racing and formula one so i think the mix of sort of experiences we have in that team it's, it's pretty unique and we, we really work as a team, you know, as drivers as well. And we, we always talk a lot after every session, uh, how the car feels and we try and be very open to one another. And, and I think that's really cool to be part of that because I truly feel like we help each other to be to be up front. So, so Marcus, I, I was going to uh, say Lee Diffie taught me the nickname he has for you is the Sneaky Swede, and that's really where I'm going, right? <laughs> we just heard all of the great teammates you have, and they're impressive. But they're all these big, you know, especially in the U.S., a big U.S. superstar. You're kind of under the radar. I was up there on Thursday, and I watched that race practice, and you're the name I have circled. I think your car looks <laughs> the best. It drives the best. It has, it, you have great management of both ends of the racetrack. The guy to my left down here, he came up with kissing the bricks. 
at the Brickyard if you didn't know that. So I'll ask you the question, what would it mean to come over and win the biggest race in the world, the 106 running of the 500? I would mean everything, you know, it is the, the biggest race in the world. And, uh, you know, ever since I came over here or even, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, I remember watching the 500 on TV back home in Sweden, uh, you know, late 90s, uh, Kenny Brack uh, was, you know, was racing here in, in, in IndyCar and, and won the 500, I think, 99 maybe. And uh, so even, you know, from, from that early age, I, I sort of knew about it and it was a dream of mine to do it and to win it. And now, since I've been in IndyCar the last four years, you know, it's I just understand more and more how much the 500 mean for for everyone, including myself. And I've been working extremely hard to put myself in a position to be able to win. And I feel like I have the team and the car and the ability to do it. Obviously, it's going to be extremely tough, but um, that's what I'm but that's what I'm getting for on, on, on Sunday for sure. So, Marcus, one of the great things about our show is we have fans call in. So uh, we're going to let Corey come in. He's got a question for you. Go ahead, Corey. Hi, Marcus. Uh, how's it going? Very good, thanks. Um, so I had a, a couple questions. So the first one, I was just curious, um, how's your car been in practice today? I noticed uh, you weren't really following as close, but I wasn't sure if that was intentional or if you're just kind of like being cautious and uh, my second question is on the broadcast they mentioned that you, uh, you you bring only like one car like you don't have a speedway car and a road course car so how come do you how come you like uh bringing just the one car to all the tracks yeah uh i think for the first question on, on practice area i think it's all about you know uh, getting the timing right and then sort of feeling the car in, in in the in the traffic. You don't necessarily need to be right up the gearbox and so on. We saw you know there was a crash today and, and obviously the race is getting closer. So it's always that sort of risk versus reward. And today doesn't pay anything really. So I was just you know more trying to get the feel in the car and, and sort of running around there. I felt really happy with the car to be honest. So I thought you know we didn't do that many laps, but it was a really good session for us. Uh, and then on your other question, I think, you know, it's just been the case that we, we have one car all year, but we obviously have a lot of parts that's special for, for this race. You know, the, the team put down so much time and effort into preparing all, all five cars for, for, this, uh, for this race, for the 500. And even though I have the same car all year, we have a lot of Speedway special parts on, on my car. So... Uh, so yeah, I, I feel really good in my car, and I think, uh, like we've talked about in the show, you know, I think the car is is definitely fast enough to to fight for the win on Sunday. So Marcus, uh, you sound like a man that's ready to run 500 miles, yes. and has the right mindset for that. <laughs> I'm curious though, you have an extensive racing background. Have you ever driven anything that changes so much by yourself versus being in the pack at Indy? No, probably not. I think you know. That's the, the cool thing that you can have a great car on your own, but then you get in traffic and it's a completely different thing. And that's why it's so important last week, you know, we worked so much on the race car because we knew we had a good package from qual for qualifying. So we focused a lot to try and improve our race car because even last year in the 500, we had four Ganassi cars with the fast nine, but we felt that we were a bit, we were not as good in traffic. So this year we've been focusing a lot on 
improving the race cars and and you know keeping the qualifying performance obviously and uh, i feel like we've done that and that's you know qualified up front you're still gonna need to be able to race cars and and i still need to overtake four cars right to, to win the race well, uh, we've seen the spin and win at Indy, and you had the jump and win at Nashville. So, uh, so uh, right. good luck in the race. You know, we, we maybe not quite so many highlights. I mean, that was a big firework moment in Nashville when your car was completely in the air and came back to win the race. Uh, I don't know if I would try the same approach at Indy. No, I think that's uh, you know that was enough excitement in that race. That was uh, yeah, it was crazy. I, I still I still haven't figured out how I managed to win that race. To be honest, it was. Uh, I was sure my car was broken and I had to retire the car there in like lap five or whatever it was. So to come around and win it was, uh, yeah, that was unreal. But uh, that just shows in, <laughs> in, in the car, anything can happen. Uh, you can never give up because the race can come back to you if you're fast and have a good crew and, you know, good strategy. So, you know, th- that's going to be the thing next weekend. Obviously not, not crashing into someone, but to have the patience, you know, and, and let the race come to you because it's going to be a, such a long race so many things gonna happen on pit road and you know with with cautions and all those things so you just have to run up fronter and position yourself for the last 50 laps well we appreciate you taking time to join us uh great luck this weekend i can't watch to watch i can't wait to watch you guys on sunday uh go out there and get you one of those get you some milk we got it here ready for you but yeah. we're not yeah. going to drink it that that would be for you save it for me save it for me yeah sounds good <laughs> what, what what milk did you pick what did you pick uh what's it full full uh what do you say full full fast whole, whole milk. milk the whole, whole deal whole i like milk. that whole milk yeah hot test hot like test there you go they, they, <laughs> they, luck, wouldn't let me, they wouldn't let me pick chocolate milk so you know i wanted to have husky chocolate like my my, my car you know it's husky chocolate chocolate milk but hey <laughs> oh that's, that's fun great great luck yeah good, good luck, luck. Good good luck. luck. Thanks, thanks, for doing. thanks guys thanks for having me you know, so much respect for those guys. Oh. You know, uh, you mentioned it. They, they, they practice, and then they go turn that horsepower up. Oh. And you had 80, 90 horsepower, and hey, go get you some. And then the car changes so much between the first lap and the fourth lap. And if you're going to qualify well, no matter what yeah. that thing's doing, you gotta, you got to stay on the gas. And that is, whew. And, and I'll go one further. How about this, DJ? So they leave pit road on their warm-up lap. They have to switch a fuel mixture. On every straightaway, they have to run the jacker up and down because they're controlling rake of the car, plus adjust the bars. So in 10 miles of action, 230 miles an hour, they got to go between 20 and 30 times they're adjusting, taking their hands off the wheel to work on different things. I mean, these, it, it's, it's busy. That's why there. I was a stock car driver, because you didn't have anything to adjust. <laughs> Simple. Keep your hands on the wheel and get it in the right gear. Press the gas. Uh, Give me some water to drink at the break. That's all I need. Well, at NBC, we cover all kinds of racing. When we come back, we're going Monster Jam. Uh, Tom Mintz is going to join us. Cannot wait to talk to him about what he's doing with his truck. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. All right. uh, Welcome back to NASCAR America Motormouth. We're going to make a little bit of a turn here from stock cars and Indy cars. Do something a little bit different. We still want you fans to... 
Feel free to call in the number 1-844-NASCAR-NBC. But we got a gentleman with us today that's just incredible. Uh, so this weekend, Monster Jam held their world finals in Orlando, and Tom Mintz here in Monster Jam 30th anniversary truck attempts and lands the first ever reverse forward momentum backflip. Tom, it says here you're 54 years old. First off, you don't look anywhere close to that. Uh, I'm amazed at what you do. My question is, how do you practice to figure something like that out and, and make it happen whenever it really counts? Well, the amazing part about the rear ends that are in that truck is you can actually put the ring gear on the other side of the pinion. Imagine that. So then the truck has a two speeds in reverse. So even though the drive shaft is still inputting the same direction, the truck backs up one, two, shift in reverse. I mean, it's incredible the way that machine goes. So you gotta learn how to back up really fast and learn how to hit that kicker at exactly a straight option. So Tom, a comment before my question. You're 54, you should know better. <laughs> 54 years young. <laughs> <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but uh, listen, I you guys, you guys put on an incredible show, and the fans are so fired up and excited about it. Do you feel that? Can you hear the fans as they're cheering in those trucks? They can. They go crazy. I mean, you can hear them over a fifteen hundred horsepower engine, and you can see them when you're ripping around a stadium doing a freestyle run. This here was from the Skills Challenge. Balancing that Monster Jam truck with 1,500 horsepower on only the two front wheels. I had to bring a little extra trick this year to the competition to ensure that I won it. You know, backing that thing up, spotting it, wondering exactly where that container is, and at the right time, nailing the throttle, bringing it right around. <laughs> what a cool trick to be able to pull that off for the first time ever and win the Skills Challenge competition. It's like, wow. it's like a surgeon. 15,000-pound vehicle is like a surgeon. So, so Tom, help me understand the sport itself, right? World Finals this past weekend in Orlando. So for the fan that hasn't found their, their way to a Monster Jam, what would they expect if they went to the World Finals? Explain to them how the kind of the series works. I know it was a big event, uh, a huge success and big crowds. Explain to the fan that maybe didn't get to take part what they should come to expect. Well, number one is family fun, you know. The fans come out, they get a great opportunity, they get to meet all their favorite drivers, see their favorite trucks up close. We're very fan accessible at our pit parties. And then the competition, you know, this weekend, four different things were contested. We had freestyle, which you're watching right now. We had skills challenge. We had racing with a special over under racetrack where your competitor is jumping over the top of you and you likewise them. And then we had the high jump competition which is crazy, but it explains exactly what it is. Who can jump the highest? So, Tom, I, I don't usually host these things. These two guys usually do that. So I failed to mention that you won your first championship in the year 2000. So between the two of us, we had a good year in 99 and 2000. So uh, with winning championships, I'll say that much. So, but by this point, you've won many championships. I think it's 14 out collecting a couple this weekend. How long do you anticipate that you're going to keep doing this? Until I've run out of the fun, and that's never going to happen. You know, I love what I'm doing. <laughs> it's what I was put on this planet to do. I love Monster Jam. I love competing like you guys do. And, you know, it's just something, you, you know, you're going to slow down. You never want to slow down. 
is, you know, it's just what I love to do, and it, it brings me so much excitement to compete. Well, that's the enthusiasm. Tom, oh, man, I love yeah. it. Got, we're going to yeah. have to go to one of these. Tom, we're going to have to come check you out. <laughs> you got to come. When you see a 12,000-pound Monster Jam truck do a backflip, uh, you know, that's incredible. Yeah, hey, it really is. Yeah. I have I have one more question. Does it not hurt? Yeah. I mean, when you when you flip and you land on your on your lid, does that that doesn't hurt? Well, our safety equipment's better than it's ever been, but you know how that is. You know, you just push it harder than ever. You know, you got to be fit. You got to be in shape. You got to be able to take those huge punishing blows when you're flying that high in the air. 54, well, yeah. Tom, 54. Right. Yeah, keep going, man. man. Congratulations and uh, wish you the very best. Uh, stay safe and healthy, buddy. Thank you so much. And pleasure being on here. All right, thanks. All right, we're finding one. That's, that's we're finding incredible. one. We're, that's a road trip. Unbelievable we're going. Unbelievable what they do. So, uh, yeah, we're going to get back to NASCAR and, and talk. Here's what some drivers had to say uh, after the All-Star race and see what their opinions were of their nights. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Just so had a right front tire let go. I don't. I moved up. I don't really think that that made the wear any worse. But yeah, just let go in the center and took off. So can't pass at all, especially the leader, anyways. So um, we'll see. I think it's Kyle's race to lose at this point. It's it's pretty impossible to pass. So um, uh, saw Kyle have a, an issue, like a tire down, and and uh, I guessed left, and I should have guessed right. Tough break, but um, fast cars. I uh, just got a flat tire off a of four, right rear's flat. Um, unfortunate for our guys, everybody at Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota, M&Ms. I mean, we had a really fast race car, great race car. Um, you know, led all the laps up to that point, obviously. So disappointing to not be able to finish it out and go race for uh, the million bucks. Did you see Ross coming? I know there was nothing you could do to avoid him, but did you see it coming? No. I felt sick to my stomach under that caution there with the green-white checkered coming up with, with those guys, obviously uh, having some issues. So uh, they were the class of the field tonight, which just was a points race. It's the best I've run in quite a little while. So, And I feel like at one point we were probably one of the best cars out there. Right there at the very end, we were probably not. Uh, we were in a disadvantage on tires as well. Happy with the result. Not satisfied, but happy. And uh, hopefully we can close the deal next week in the Cox 600. Well, a little bit of sound for some of the drivers that took part in the All-Star Race Sunday night. If you want to hear a little bit more of two drivers with opinions, I would <laughs> tune in on Thursday, 6 o'clock. The Dale Jr. downhold, no, no other than Denny Hamlin's going to join Jr. I mean, what will they talk about? I mean, what could possibly be the topic of conversation? You know, timing is important in life. Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. So you will not want to so, miss 6 p.m. Thursday. Uh, D- uh, Denny Hamlin joins the download. And um, here you go. Here's Denny had to say. Never should have been a yellow in the first place. Put blame in the situation to make up for it. He feels that they broke a rule. Two wrongs don't make a right. That was just on Twitter. So now they got to get together and talk about it. Dale Jr., he had an opinion that they were going to let you debate one to try to avoid the other. So 
I suggest tuning in on Thursday and hear these two talk about it live and in person. You know, something that I've noticed, and I found this out because I thought maybe it was only me when I went down to Dale Jr.'s and did it a couple of years ago, but you, you end up feeling so comfortable in that yeah, situation yeah. that you say things that you think later, maybe I shouldn't have gone there exactly. And I don't know if you've experienced that, but it's it's like you just sit there. I mean, it's like guys sitting around, and that's what they want it to be and what it is, but you sit around, the next thing you know, you said things that maybe you wish you had kept inside, but I think this could get really the interesting. Truth, sir. If, that, if that's true, I'm going to text Denny right now and tell him he shouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, listen, we've given all our opinions. Let's hear some of the fans' opinions. We're going to go to the phone lines. Ray, you're up. Hi, guys. So Ryan Blaney is coming to the checkered flag. Flagman has it out. He's waving it. For a hundred years, over a hundred years, we've all been taught checkered flag signaling the end of the race. However, if the lights are official, why are we still waving a checkered flag? Why are we keeping up a charade signaling the end? Because Ryan Blaney's got a hundred feet. He sees the checkered flag out. He's coming, thinking the race is over, and then he's told it's not. He, he, you know, he's dropping well, the window. It's well, just a, a basic reaction. We, I understand. Why right. we just get rid of it and just have the lights? That's, that's all I'm saying. Because the officials are putting out something that's not official in the checkered flag. Hold on. Uh, and we, okay. Wait, wait. If we uh, get rid of the checkered flag, right. I'm going to have a hard time. So, so look, let, let's, let's back up for just a moment. He's waving a checkered flag because he's waving a checkered flag because the winning car is coming to the start-finish line. He's waving the checkered flag. They then throw the caution. He quits waving a yellow flag. Um, quits waving the checkered flag, and the caution light comes on. Even if he was still waving the checkered flag, it wouldn't have mattered. The lights are what matter. When the caution light comes right, on, even if he's waving a checkered. Because it was already being put out there. He, but he sees him 300 yards coming. And so that's what he's signaling. True. Yeah, he's it waving. Just happened. Yeah, he hey, wasn't the one mention, that pushed the button. Not to mention the other 36 weeks of the year, the white would have been good enough. I don't have to yeah. digress and go that far back, do I? Yeah. I don't, I don't, <laughs> the, flag, the flagman didn't do anything wrong. No. Here. The flagman's waving the checkered. And now the caution's out. He's being told caution. He's like pulls the checker back. Yeah, like, I don't know what impressed. else you could do. That was pretty impressed reaction time. I wouldn't <laughs> I have got the yellow out there. I didn't even notice that part. That was that better than I would have got yeah. as well. But yeah, listen. I, now if you I talk about yeah. getting rid of the checkered flag, that was that hurt my heart. We can't be getting rid of the checkered flag. No, no. you know. I understand. Yeah, there's reasons to be. All of us can have different reasons to be upset the way that it was done. Oh, but, for sure. You know, we don't need to go to the extreme here. Right. Yeah, you know, it was an all-star race. Fortunately, it happened there. And hopefully, things are going to be learned, and we won't run into that situation. Mm -hmm. Obviously, in any points event, that's not going to be the case anyway. Yep. Yeah, that might might come out, but the race would have been over. Yeah, and listen, Ray, call in all the time. Yeah, We'd absolutely. love to have yeah, your sure opinion. Thing. Love yeah, to have the questions, up, man. Mike. You're on Motor Mouse. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. What's your question? So, first of all, I'd like to say I totally agree with the mayor that. Uh, these rules for the all-star race need to be totally simplified so the fans can understand it. But um, I'd like to ask, what do you think they should do with the all-star race going forward? Should they continue what they're doing? Should they go back to Charlotte? Should they, should they go to a stadium like they did for the clash? Uh, tell me what you think. Thanks. That's great. Yeah, you should have called in yeah. early in the show. Yeah. We might not have enough time with this. No. So yeah, go, well, go, go ahead, ahead real quick. What would you do with it? Yeah, there needs to definitely needs to be changes made. I I I am 
I'm going to give two scenarios. Either back to Charlotte because we don't need to add another week. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with Texas. But, you know, if you're going to have it, make it as simple. Or take this somewhere else, you know. To, to, and I even brought up you on a call today. Say, put them in equal cars, you know. And, and That's- that, you know. Ray Everham and Tony Stewart's deal. Put them in those cars. You know, take the Xfinity champion, truck champion. You know, let's make this the just winners, people, not have anything before that, maybe. My blank page, I know it sounds crazy. My blank page is don't bring the teams, don't get the teams involved, and make it purely a vote like they do in other sports. Maybe 10 cup drivers, five Xfinity drivers, five trucks, and go run the buggies like the, like the championship. So, like just something different where it could be fun, showcase their skills, head-to-head, duel it out. I think it, it makes it more fun. When it's a race, it's still really like their job, and I don't think they can have as much fun as they would if they weren't in their own cars. A lot of conversation about Marcus Smith and his team uh, finding a way to take racing to the fairgrounds in Nashville. Oh, yeah. boy. Yeah. Perfect place to put it. Sure. We should be yeah. this race. If we don't go back to Charlotte, this race should be at the historic short tracks of NASCAR, Hickory Motor Speedway. Nashville, South Boston, something like that for a few years. Then look at it and do something different. Yeah. All right, so look, there was a lot of talk about in the All-Star race. Blaney had a good car. We saw some wrecks. I hate to spin it forward on a Monday, but in my mind, Sunday is the, is the, be- it's the best motorsport day in the world. Yeah. We wake up over in Monaco. We're going to see the Indy 500 on NBC, and then we're going to close it out with the Coca-Cola 600 over here. Um, any predictions? Are the Fords going to be what we think at Charlotte, 600 miles? Do you have any idea what you may see on Sunday? What's your best guess? I think we're going to see Toyotas. I, I, we Tons of Toyota speed at Texas. We've seen a lot of Toyotas lately. I think they found something. They didn't finish the deal at, at Texas, but I think we're going to see a lot of Toyota. Champagne in the morning, wine wine for uh, lunch, and beer for dinner. Yeah. That's that's why works. Works. Are you serving? Yeah. That's that's how how like an invite. F1, yeah. IndyCar. Uh, yeah. Why are you talking about wine? I'll go back to Scott Dixon for a minute. Is that man not like a good wine that just keeps getting better yeah. Uh, yeah. as he ages? Unbelievable guy. And watch him to be right up there with a the chance to win another uh, Indianapolis final. I think, though, that we could look at um, – I, I think the Chevrolets are going to – there's about four Chevys that are going to be strong, too. I agree. Kyle Busch and, and uh, you have to think that Denny's going to be up there uh, this weekend. Well, as a crew chief, the 600 was one of my favorite races because I felt like the team had the biggest impact of ever. Great pit stops, great adjustments. You had to work from day to night and keep up with your car. Well, one name we haven't mentioned much, and I think it deserves the last 90 seconds of this show or not – Good friend of all of ours, a seven-time champ, a guy that has humbly gone over to IndyCar and, and outright struggled on the road courses, admitted it. He goes to Texas and the overruns inside the top ten, makes the fast 12 up there. He is working his guts out to be good uh, in an IndyCar at Indianapolis. What's a good day for Indy? If he runs where, how's he run? Like, what's a good day for Jimmy Johnson at the Brickyard? Top third of the field and run all the laps. Jimmy Johnson clearly... Has been is willing to push this car, willing yeah. to put himself in situations. Uh, Jimmy Johnson, in my opinion, if you could go finish in the top third, that's a really good day. Yeah, I have to agree. I was going to say a top ten would be outstanding to be there all day and learn because if he does that, then he's going to be better if he decides to do it again next year and doing that. But he's so incredibly talented, and he has the respect of all of those drivers that are in that race. They understand this man is good enough. Making the right decisions and putting himself in a position late in this race, he could be a factor as far as determining who wins it and could be him. That's what I see. I think he has the advantage to show up early when some guys are working on their fuel conservation, let him lead a few laps, let him feel like what the clean air is like. Um, Jimmy Johnson, who I completely respect, but I think it would be 
uh, a disservice to what those IndyCar drivers do in the last oh, yeah. 15 laps. I just don't know if Jimmy in his first start. Yeah. I mean, you watch the chess last year between Polo and Elio, and you throw Dixon in there, and these guys are the best of the best in their home turf. I'm just not sure Jimmy Johnson will have it. Uh, but then the question is, if he's that close, will we see him again? Nobody will know. Listen, <laughs> we're going to come back on Wednesday. We're going to look ahead to not just the Indianapolis 500, but the Coke 600. Who's good? Who's not? But the must-see of the week, in my opinion, is going to be the Dale Jr. download. On Thursday, <laughs> there was a lot of controversy. Center of the controversy, Denny Hamlin, Hill Jr. And what? In the truth, the truth serum will be out. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.